I'm a little bit rusty. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, It has been a minute here at Southern Hills. Yes, last week we did our first foray into the world of live streaming. So to all 31 of you who checked us out, thank you so much for hanging out with us. We had a lot of fun doing it. Yeah, it was super fun, even though I just repeatedly ate it in Donkey Kong. We are so bad at Donkey Kong Country. I I still wonder how did I master that game as a fucking 10-year-old child. I was thinking about it, and part of what... Okay, now we play it, and we play for like an hour, right? You're like, okay, cool. I played for like an hour, I've died a hundred times, and that's all I've got. <laughs> but as a kid, you would play like the same world and that was it you just keep doing it yeah that's true maybe we're not as bad we're every bit as bad as we think we are aren't we <laughs> uh yeah i really wish we would have had a clip of the game over screen oh my god we were one victory away from candy the save point and we just couldn't deliver <laughs> we couldn't do it it wasn't happening but if you enjoyed our live stream, if you'd like to see it again, please let us know at southernhells at gmail.com. Uh, we really, really would like to hear some feedback. <laughs> yes, and even if that feedback is, oh my god, you guys are terrible. <laughs> because we knew. I think that next time we might try a different game. Colin and I have a huge collection of vintage video games. Maybe we'll dig through the... Oh, we have a hyperscan. Ooh. Which is one of the most hideous piece of crap systems that ever came out. And if you've never seen one. I've never seen one. Oh my god. Okay. Came out at the same time as the Xbox 360. Had graphics that weren't even as good as Sega Genesis. Damn. Yeah. It's amazing. I mean, why? It had... Well, it's kind of funny because it kind of like... I love Amiibos and I know that's a dumb... I love them. I don't care. Anyway, this system had an RFID system too, where you would like trading cards. So their idea was, oh, we'll get people into trading cards and then they'll go with the games. Oh, I see. But the graphics were garbage town. Yeah, that's important these days. Tried to be early Skylanders, Amiibo, landed at worse than Sega, Genesis. (laughs) (laughs) Oh yeah, we're also going to invest in a proper uh, webcam setup so we can up our quality. If that's what you're into. Yeah, we had a good time. So if you had a good time, let us know. And it's nice for us to take a break sometimes, even though we love doing this podcast. Oh, shit. <laughs> Bring the motherfucking ruckus. <laughs> I'm feeling really out of practice, so I hope I can deliver. Yeah, I'm not going to lie. Kelly is going to be carrying the show here this episode. That's a lot of pressure. Speaking of which, <laughs> welcome back to Southern Hills. I'm Kelly. And I'm Rachel. And today we're talking about America's incarceration addiction. And if you're curious where you can find quality statistics on this matter, uh, just hit up the Bureau of Justice Statistics or BJ's.gov. <laughs> <laughs> the .gov is a really nice cherry on top. God, BJ's.gov. <laughs> I am a 12-year-old boy in an adult woman's body. This episode is brought to you by BJ's.gov. <laughs> I was gonna dive right in. We can dive right in. Okay, well, when we were researching this, I got really, really far down a rabbit hole, which we will get into more later, but whenever you think about incarceration, you think about society's most repugnant people. Yes, when I think about prisoners, my mind goes straight to 
rapists and pedophiles and people calling hits on people, you know, really violent individuals. Turns out they don't make up that much of the prison population. And I think that's something we need to remind ourselves of because when we talk about treatment of prisoners and when we talk about prison conditions, it's easy to be like, oh yeah, fuck all those rapists. But that's not the vast majority of who is being affected by these issues. Yeah. Martha Stewart went to prison. Yeah, fuck her. (laughs) (laughs) So the Prison Policy Initiative released some data on March 14th and... There are currently 1,316,000 people in state prisons in the United States. Of those prisoners, 718,000 are classified as violent criminals. So that includes assault, robbery, rape and sexual assault, manslaughter, and murder. So that's a little more than half. But when you remove assault and robbery, so when you're just talking like rape, murder, manslaughter... That's 362,000 inmates out of 1,316,000. I feel like we have to say this a lot because Kelly and I are pretty grounded. We're not trying to say that every criminal is a good person. But on that same note, we're not trying to say that every single criminal is a bad person. Right. I, I guess the point I'm trying to make is that I don't think that every person in a prison right now just deserves to live in abhorrent conditions and not being fed sufficiently, which we'll get into later. Oh, oh, we'll get into it. (laughs) And being abused for what is basically slave labor. Yeah. So that being said. Okay, so I was actually telling Kelly this story happened to someone that I know. I knew personally a convicted felon and she was convicted of manslaughter. She was driving home with her significant other and she had had just barely over the limit. And that it, it's verifiable. Like you can, I'm not giving her name, but you could look it up and see that she was just barely over the limit. And she was following her significant other home. And she, her significant other hit the brakes. And she had to hit the brakes. And she hit them just a little bit too late and sent her partner. They, they got into some sort of car wreck where she went off the road and died. Oh, God. Yeah, so that in and of itself is bad, but because she was under the influence, it was manslaughter. Kelly and I are both huge believers in um, personal breathalyzers, but this would have been 15 years ago. So you would be amazed at how little it takes to go over the legal limit. Actually, using Rachel's pocket breathalyzer is what made me go buy my own because if you have two craft beers and wait an hour, you're still going to blow like a 0.09. Yeah. I, I think, I think, I can't remember, but I think when we did it, I did a 0.09. And that was terrifying. Yeah. Because for the most part at that level, yes, it's illegal for you to drive, but you feel fine. Right. That having been said, if you get in a car wreck and you hit someone, it can be manslaughter and you could be in the situations that we're going to be talking about. Right. So yeah, all of this, I think to drive home the point that Good people go to prison. People who get caught in a really bad situation go to prison every day. And it's a huge problem in this country. It's particularly a huge problem in this part of the country. So for those who are unfamiliar with the prison industrial complex here in America, it's a big fucking deal. (laughs) We have tax-funded prisons, and then we have private prisons. And the way that private prisons operate is that they're funded by corporations. There are two major ones called the GEO and Corrections Corporation of America. They operate prisons and they use prisoner labor for profit. So 
They might make clothes. They make military uniforms. Yeah. But it's it's kind of like the situation in Orange is the New Black. That's what I was going to say. <laughs> Are they making panties? <laughs> and they're paid less than a dollar an hour. I think in one of these cases it said they were paid 23 cents an hour. I mean, it's disgusting wages. Oh, my God. So to them, prisoners are basically free labor. And since it's a corporation that is interested in making a profit, it creates these huge incentives to cut corners. And on top of that, it gives a big incentive to keep the prisons full. So I read an article called How For-Profit Prisons Have Become the Biggest Lobby No One Is Talking About. It was written by Michael Cohen for the Washington Post. And the two corporations I just mentioned, GEO and the CCA, they have funneled more than $10 million to political candidates since 1989, and they've spent nearly $25 million on lobbying efforts. Holy crap. Yeah. And that's a lot of money, but they rake in a combined $3.3 billion in annual revenue. And this is interesting. The private federal prison population has more than doubled between 2000 and 2010. Come on, there's an obvious connection there. Yeah, you always follow the money. Right. That's insane. I've heard it put that America has a really big problem with the way we look at our prison system in general. I think I watched something and this guy from Norway came and looked at American prisons and he was comparing how they do things there to here. I don't remember what it was exactly. We have very little focus on rehabilitation. And most prisoners, as we've said before, serve a sentence and then they are released. Right. So the point should be to rehabilitate them and make them ready to live in society again as a better person. But instead, we have a system that is more about revenge and retaliation, which is it makes you feel better to see the person who has hurt you be hurt, hopefully more than they hurt you but they're going to go back out into society. Right. And yeah, that's, it's not a fitting consequence for someone who was arrested for drug charges or even petty theft charges. Those people could be rehabilitated. People guilty of assault and robbery could be rehabilitated. I would say so. I feel like in a lot of cases, um, these are people from low income parts of the country. Actually, these for-profit prisons are kind of centered around the South, the Midwest, and border states. That's a lot of poor people. It's a lot of undocumented immigrants. And they're being exploited for free labor. When you have these pressures to maximize your profit, I don't think that's conducive to them getting rehabilitated or getting services that could help them. Help them be a better neighbor for you once they become your neighbor. Yes, when they do become a civilian again. What bothers me is that there's so much of your own humanity tied into how you deal with the people that you consider repugnant, like Jesus and the leper colonies. So however you decide you're going to treat society's cast-offs, that's a reflection of you and who you are and what's important to you. And I don't necessarily support anyone. I'm going to take that back. There are some exceptions. There are very few people, given the statistics that we have looked at, who I would honestly think this person deserves the absolute worst, and that's that. Yeah. So I especially, agree. especially when you look at what was it of seven hundred eighteen thousand. I think rape and murder is where I draw the unforgivable line to me. Yeah. Same. So yeah, that's that's just over about three hundred thirty thousand people out of one million three hundred sixteen in state prisons today. Yeah. And later on, when we talk about the situation involving a truck. Those are the people that deserve that situation. 
This article is focusing on the issue with them lobbying politicians. And I have a pretty disturbing statistic here. So nearly two thirds of private prison contracts mandate that state and local governments maintain a certain occupancy rate, usually 90% or require taxpayers to pay for empty beds. In Arizona, three private prisons are operating with a 100% occupancy guarantee. 100%? Yes. So they have to keep the prison 90% populated or that starts coming out of tax money. So there's this pressure to keep funneling prisoners into this fucking prison industrial complex. (sighs) Repulsive. Yeah. And there's a quote here uh, from the CCA from one of their annual reports, and it says, the demand for our facilities and services could be adversely affected by the relaxation of enforcement efforts, leniency in conviction or parole standards, and sentencing practices, or through the decriminalization of certain activities that are currently prescribed by our criminal laws. They want us to keep things illegal that shouldn't be illegal and to make sentences unreasonably long. As we just said a second ago, The amount of things that you could get in trouble for that you don't even think about on a daily basis. Like Kelly made a good example. If you're going 20 miles per hour over the speed limit, technically that's reckless endangerment. Yeah, that's true. So So yeah, let's say you're going 20 miles over the speed limit and you have had two craft beers that day. It happens to people like us all the time. And I guess that's something dangerous too. When we think about prisoners, we think about hard criminals. And that's an other to most of us. And with the opiate addiction epidemic and everything, there are so many situations that people are put in right now that we are sending our addicts in droves into prisons. And I'm not saying that addicts are necessarily doing things that deserve freedom, but... Addicts are capable of being rehabilitated. Exactly. And as a Southerner, I... I feel really disturbed by this information because as we've mentioned before, for-profit prisons are kind of centered in the South and the South has the highest incarceration rates. So we already know that America has the highest incarceration rate per capita in the entire world. But on top of that, the South has the highest incarceration rate in the United States. It kind of makes sense because we're the poorest, uh, we're the most self-medicating I don't necessarily want to say that education ties into it, but it probably does. Oh, yeah. I would say that would play a big part. That's a really good point. So, yeah. uh, Southerners are more likely to be arrested than anyone else in the world per capita. That (laughs) is pretty fucking scary. Yeah. And I read this study. It's called Southern Prisons Have a Cell Phone Smuggling Problem. I guess I want to get into the point that the South is kind of creating this hotbed of prison corruption because we have privatized prisons, we have the highest rate of incarceration, and um, we also have the lowest salaries, which I'll get into in just a second. But anyway, corruption in Southern prisons is a huge problem. And this article was uh, from NBC. I mean, this is another thing we know from Orange is the New Black. Prisoners love cell phones. Who doesn't? So cell phone smuggling is a huge problem in our prison system because apparently a phone call home on a jailhouse phone is $15 for two minutes. Are you kidding me? No. It's fucking ridiculous. That's insane. So with a smartphone, they can call their friends and family. They can, who are we kidding, look at porn. Right? Which we are very (laughs) in favor of. I got no problem with that. Um, But apparently the issue is that they can also... Uh, call hits on those who have wronged them and in one case this guy in south carolina used a smartphone to order a fucking pair of wire cutters in cash via drone to break out of prison oh my god that's fucking hardcore 
That's amazing. Who? That had to be a beefy drone. How do you? So this is kind of a nationwide thing. Everyone knows that cell phone smuggling is a problem with prisoners, but that is very concentrated in the South. Nine of the 10 states with the highest cell phone seizure rates are in the South. The number one is South Carolina. One out of every three inmates has a cell phone. Wow. Yeah. And then other states in the top 10 are Georgia, Alabama, Tennessee, Mississippi, Florida, Arkansas, and Louisiana. So how are they getting the phones? They're getting them from prison guards, smuggling them in. And so that leads to the question, why are Southern prison guards more likely to smuggle illegally, I might add, illegally smuggle in cell phones to inmates than people in the rest of the world? I'm going to go out on a limb here and say money. That's right. Ah. <laughs> Gold sticker for Rachel. Yes. Um, it's no surprise that contraband smuggling has been linked to low pay and high turnover in prison guards. And there's a very handy map here. This is where guards are paid the least, and this is where phones are confiscated. <laughs> if you could see this graph, it is kind of hilarious. Yeah, the South is big, dark gray blob. <laughs> so prison staff in Southern states, I mean, honestly, laborers in Southern states, any kind of worker in the Southern states, we are paid horribly. And this is a whole other topic we're going to do an episode on, but I think it is because Southerners are terrified of unions. We are shooting ourselves in the foot because we've been brainwashed. Yeah. That's my theory. This is coming from two girls who both had families who worked in unions. Yes. I know what we're talking about. So prison staff in Southern states are terribly paid. Uh, Just to give an example, the Mississippi Department of Corrections pays their officers an average of $24,270 a year. Oh my God. Isn't that we we never mind we broke it down. That is eleven fifty an hour. Yeah, it's eleven and change an hour. That's so that's one of the lowest salaries for the job in the nation. And it's no surprise their turnover rate in two thousand sixteen was forty seven percent, and they were understaffed by about four hundred slots. That's another really good point. When you don't pay enough, you're not going to have a full fucking staff because who's going to sign up for that? Right. I actually had a manager put it really well to me too. I worked at a company that that intentionally paid slightly above a certain rate. And he was like, well, you have to think the people who are willing to work for less, what are what are those people compared to the people who are only going to take a job for a little bit more? Yeah, I don't understand why more companies don't understand that. If you want to attract the best, you have to offer the best. But I did look up the average salary for a prison guard in Tennessee. It's $30,340 a year. Oh my God. Still pretty awful. Yeah. I mean, I, I wouldn't do that job for 30 grand a year. No. That that probably comes to like 13 or 14 dollars an hour. That's insane. Um actually, I found out recently the police officers here, I think they make about 30. Yeah, they do. Which so, is also super fucked up. Yeah. I never want to work a job where at any point part of my responsibility will be running towards the gunfire. Right. And if that is going to be part of my job responsibility, I would like to be compensated handsomely. And then that goes back to if that's what you're offering, what kind of people are you going to attract? Let's just say the average Southern prison guard makes $30,000 a year. A black market cell phone in prison can fetch $1,000. Well, that's not a, it's not hard economics there, KP. Right. So... Okay, yeah, if I'm making fucking $13 an hour to work in a prison and a prisoner offers me $1,000 for an iPhone. And you know that he was convicted of having, you know, a couple of ounces of pot. Exactly. I'm going to help both of us out. It just makes sense. 
So yeah, there's a quote here. Uh, One of the effects of paying people very little money is that they are often highly motivated to supplement their income. Weird. Yeah, funny how that works. I think, isn't isn't that called a side hustle? (laughs) (laughs) That's a pretty lucrative side hustle. $1,000 for like a measly cell phone. Yeah. Granted, iPhones are like 600 bucks, but these are... These are black market iPhones. Yeah, or flip phones. I'm I'm sure they're not. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, or they'll be like, sweet, now I have this phone. I'm going to take a hit out on this guard because this is a piece of shit. <laughs> <laughs> or you could run a lucrative dirty panty selling business. If only. Okay, I just want to say this is... No, fuck it, it's relevant, but... Back in the olden days of my internet rabbit holing, I found eBand.net because I I like reading about weird stuff and I like seeing all the weird little facets of the internet. And there was a website, it probably still exists, I haven't checked in a long time, but it's where you can sell things that are banned on eBay. One of those things was dirty panties. (laughs) (laughs) No, I never did it. But I used to look at other people doing it and just live vicariously through them, I guess. Dignity never paid the bills, but damn it, did we keep it. I know. And at what gain? We should have just sold those panties. I'm telling you. If if I could turn back the clock, I would have slung some panties on the internet. But see, my thing was always, how do you, how do you ship them and not have like a P.O. box? P.O. box is a must. Yeah. And a vacuum sealer. Oh, yes. Vacuum sealer to maintain freshness. <laughs> what a weird. That was the tip of the iceberg. I found a smorgasbord of fucking insane shit. Um, lollipops that have been stuck up your vagina and then rolled in flakes from a ped egg. Oh, God. That is the worst thing I've heard. I was, oh, that's dark. Foot skin and vagina residue lollipops. There's a market for that. My appall is appalled. (laughs) If I could turn back time. (laughs) If I could a week. Yeah, there's a market for everything, dude. We'd sell panties on the internet (laughs) today. (laughs) (laughs) Nothing stopping. If you would buy... A licensed pair of Southern Hills panties? Let us know. Southernhills at gmail.com. I ain't wearing them, though. So on the topic of Southern prison corruption, this was actually in the news pretty recently, but I thought it was very fitting for this topic. So I am going to be referencing the article. Alabama sheriff legally took $750,000 meant to feed inmates bought beach house. This was published in NPR. I don't know if you just heard what Kelly said. Legally. Yes. Keyword legally because earlier i had to let the dogs out when she was reading this to me and i literally came back in and i was like did you just say legally (laughs) yeah so this happened in fucking alabama because of course yes sheriff todd intrican i hope i'm saying that right but he took home his personal profit more than seven hundred and fifty thousand dollars that was budgeted to feed jail inmates and use it to purchase a home for himself. And this is completely legal in the state of Alabama. Alabama has a Depression-era law that allows sheriffs to, quote-unquote, keep and retain unspent money from jail food provision accounts. So they take any excess home as personal income, and in the event of a shortfall, they are personally liable for covering the gap. 
Let's say you have $750,000 budgeted for feeding inmates and you spend $800,000 that year. The sheriff would have to make that up, which is fucking insane anyway. But any money that's not spent, he gets to keep. That's also insane. Yes. I was thinking like, why in the hell would this ever, ever, ever be a law? There are few situations more vulnerable than being incarcerated. You are at the will Exactly. Yeah, of the people who are holding you captive. And we're not getting into deserve it or didn't deserve it, but some people are in jail and don't deserve it. They didn't do the crime. Yeah, and I was wondering, like, why? Why is this a law? But this, as I mentioned, this was enacted during the days of the Great Depression. And at that point in time, state jails were kind of a mom-and-pop type operation. And in most cases, the sheriff's wife was responsible for feeding inmates. So... It would make sense that that would be kind of a personal budget, a personal food budget for that couple. But that is not the case anymore. The fucking sheriff's wife isn't feeding thousands and thousands and thousands of men anymore. Yeah, and at that time, there's no way it would have been $750,000. Exactly. That's a really good point. Yeah, and yeah, it's... It's $750,000 minimum. The exact amount is actually unclear because he was not required to specify above a $250,000 a year threshold. So he he kept for sure $250,000 a year for three years, but it was undoubtedly more than that because he was only required to report up to $250,000. How fucking crazy is that? That's ridiculous. And how how anyone could be aware that this was legal and let it keep happening right i guess the original meaning behind the law is don't spend too much money on prisoners you have this much and if you go over it you're responsible but the effect statewide we'll see has been that oh spend as little money as humanly possible to feed your prisoners and keep the rest and what they are doing with the rest of this money in this case, this particular sheriff and his wife own several properties worth a combined $1.7 million. And just to reiterate that this money is definitely coming from prison food provisions. He makes $93,000 a year. That's insane. It's disgusting. And to quote uh, Colin earlier, I'm happy that I'm not a sheriff in the Great Depression because my prisoners would starve. (laughs) Mine would eat a lot of Totino's. (laughs) Hope you guys like rice. (laughs) And oatmeal. Oh, yeah. Hey, uh, so it's another cereal night, prisoners. uh, (laughs) Hope we're all okay with Super Mario cereal. Oh, my God. Tell them about the fucking amiibo. (gasps) Oh, my God. So I finally... Okay, I found out that there was Super Mario cereal where the box was an amiibo forever ago and people were buying it up like crazy. So you couldn't find it anywhere. One day, Colin and I went on like a little road trip to go find it and we couldn't find it. Wow. It's been like a thing. And then the other day I had to go into work at five in the morning, roughly. So 5 a.m. Rachel is an impulse shopper. (laughs) (laughs) So I remembered impulsively. Okay, actually it started with me learning about Cadbury cream eggs in Australia and somehow it spiraled into our snack exchange. (laughs) And then from there, Super Mario cereal. So anyway, long story short, I found out that Target had it. So I got my hands on some Super Mario cereal, but the box, if you play Mario Odyssey, you can skin it at any time and it does something, which 
is cool because the future your cereal boxes do something in video games. I like that. <laughs> and on top of that, if you go to the amiibo thing that helps you find, what are they called? The moons. I can't remember the name for the moons in Super Mario. Sorry, Mario Odyssey. But anyway, if you scan it there, it says, it tells you what the amiibo is, whatever the amiibo happens to be. So when you scan your cereal box, it says, oh, that's the good old delicious amiibo. <laughs> is it old delicious or is it old delicious? This is important. Ooh, I feel like it said old. Ooh, old I delicious. Yeah. I mean, maybe it didn't. Maybe I'm just Southern and I read and like <laughs> affect yeah. things into a Southern accent. The D is invisible. Yeah. It just, my brain doesn't register it. <laughs> yeah. It's cereal with marshmallow mushrooms. <gasps> and Yoshi eggs. Oh. And little question mark. Oh my God, Kelly. I might have to Dude. let you take home a box. I'm gonna, I'm oh you. my God. I'm not going to take home a box, but I am going to eat a bowl. Yeah. <laughs> when we're done with this, we're eating Super Mario cereal. Fuck yeah. I bought one a box and I gave it to one of my friends who is also into that kind of thing. And he was like, oh my god, I didn't know they did this. And I was really excited. I never looked up with the spoiler of what it did. And I was like, it could literally just do this one thing and I wouldn't be disappointed. And he was like, oh, don't get your hopes up. Aww. And I wasn't disappointed. It literally could have done something super stupid and I still would have been like, this is amazing. I mean, I'm I'm excited for marshmallow Yoshi eggs. See, exactly. What more do you need? Don't get greedy. E exactly, exactly. <laughs> marshmallow Yoshi eggs, and then you scan it, and things happen in a video game. And it's called Old Delicious. Come on. What do you people want? What's wrong with you people? Oh, so this is not new to this particular sheriff in Alabama. This has been a statewide issue for um years. So we've been talking about Sheriff Intrican. I hope that's his name. I actually don't give a shit. But when his predecessor... Sheriff Dickhead. <laughs> right. When his predecessor died while still in office, all the money in the food provision account went to his estate as state law dictated. So Intrican had to borrow $150,000 to keep the inmates fed and then pay down that debt over the next several years. Why I mean, Why would it pay it to their estate? Exactly. Why would you not fix the law then? Right. This... This isn't 1936 anymore. Jesus fucking Christ. We're talking about hundreds of thousands of dollars. Yeah, taxpayer money. Yes. You want to talk about slashing the budget and port barrel spending? Why the shit is your sheriff getting $750,000 worth of taxpayer money? Exactly. Yeah, we're going to like raise hell over a single mom getting $150 a month in food stamps. But when a sheriff dies, we're just going to give $150,000 to his estate for no fucking reason. Yeah, no questions asked. I would like to say, as Alabama's neighbor, this is something that has come up more than once, but dear Alabama, what the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> that should be their state motto. Welcome to Alabama. What the fuck? <laughs> Just a big question mark. The thing that gets me is Alabama is a beautiful state and it has NASA <clears throat> and all these like super smart people concentrated in Huntsville. That's true in Huntsville. Yeah. And, and Birmingham is really cool too. Yeah. And then $750,000 to their sheriff. And that's just one sheriff. Right. That's one sheriff over three years. We're probably talking about millions and millions and millions of dollars over the past decades and their schools are terrible so yes. it's like why dear alabama what the fuck yeah it's just it's gross corruption but that's not all rachel this story goes deeper 
I like it deep. In 2009, another Alabama sheriff, his name was Greg Bartlett. He was sheriff of Morgan County. He was actually jailed for this very thing. He personally profited about $212,000 from surplus and jail food accounts. And he was able to do this by cutting corners. So he used charitable donations and quote unquote special deals to get cheaper food for prisoners. And one of those deals is that he once split with another sheriff of a nearby county. So two Alabama sheriffs split the cost of a $1,000 truck full of corn dogs. <laughs> okay. And then they fed the inmates corn dogs twice a day for weeks. Weeks. Yes. Weeks. So earlier when I said there are some things that I wouldn't, you know, you say like, it's a phrase. I wouldn't wish that on my worst enemy. There are people that I would wish corn dogs twice a day for weeks on. They exist. They're pedophiles, mostly, yeah. and rapists and murderers. Sure, fuck you, eat corn dogs. But if you're a guy that got caught with, you know, a gram of pot, I don't think you should have to eat that many corn dogs. Although, <laughs> although now that I say that, that does sound like stoner cuisine. But they're not. So it does. It's probably not as much fun. I mean, that's the diet of choice for some people. But I'm going to go on a limb and say, Charlie, yeah. <laughs> not most people. But it's just on top of it being corn dogs for weeks. I mean, really, you're just going to buy back alley corn dogs? <laughs> what the fuck? Why is this? I didn't even think about that. I was so mad that they fed them for weeks. But yeah, who just sells a truck of corn dogs for $1,000? <laughs> so for $500, you could buy enough corn dogs to feed a prison for weeks. <gasps> oh my God. Dude. Where do we find this truck? <laughs> Kelly, I have an idea for a food truck. I need to tip my brother off to this deal. <laughs> he's He's fed for months now <laughs> he falls under the camp of corn dogs again fuck yeah <laughs> actually now that we say that colin is in that camp too <laughs> i wonder we should some people are really into corn dogs i don't i don't get it i think that safe to say though weeks <laughs> someone's gotta give yeah even my favorite foods after a few days i'm kind of over it <clears throat> okay but this he's actually <laughs> I just now noticed this. Um, this article refers to him as Sheriff Corndog. Oh my god. So Sheriff Corndog defended himself in court by saying this profit was legal under state law. But the exasperated judge said he had an obligation to feed his inmates adequate food. Yes, that's that's the point. Yeah. And um, the sheriff that we've been talking about, Sheriff Intrican or whatever the fuck, um, he has a quote in here that I think is just amazing. Um, in a statement emailed to NPR, he said the quote unquote liberal media has began attacking me for following the letter of the law. Oh my God. It's because you're clearly abusing a law that's outdated in the first place. Yeah. And let's talk about things that were illegal. BJ's were illegal for like <laughs> for a hot minute. BJ's.gov. BJ's.gov. <laughs> so let, let's just let's just talk about that. So you're gonna say, I'm following the letter of law. That guy gets head. Yeah. Conservatives love to trump the ah. Uh, they love to trump the idea of being fiscally conservative. So being smart with our government spending. You know, they really fucking hate funding welfare. 
they're so against pork barrel spending that they want to drain the swamp. Yes. And uh, providing contraception to poor women or childcare to poor women, um, education to our children, all of these things are bullshit. Healthcare to our sick people, that is also bullshit. But $750,000 of money meant for feeding prisoners to a sheriff to purchase $1.7 million in property, we're cool with that, apparently. That's okay. Yeah, we're, we're totally fine with that because he was following the letter of the yes. law. Yes, and if you disagree, then you're part of the liberal media. That's the kind of rhetoric we use around these parts. Yeah, which is so stupid. Okay, there is one more layer to this clusterfuck. And it's a good one. <laughs> so how did this all come to the surface? Well, Sheriff Intricant had a landscaper. His I'm name... I'm sorry, Kelly. We will only be listening to you refer to him as Sheriff Corndog. No, this is a different guy. Oh, okay, okay, okay. <laughs> sorry. Sheriff Corndog is a different oh. dickhead. Oh, okay, okay, okay. My what, timeout has ended. What can we call this guy? Sheriff Beach House, I guess. Oh, God. Yeah. Yeah, so Sheriff Beach House. Oh, God. You know what I just realized? <laughs> Sheriff Alabama Beach House. Yeah, girl. Oh, yeah. Alabama Beach House. I'm into it. <laughs> so Sheriff Alabama Beach House had a landscaper named Matt Qualls, and he was mowing his lawn in 2015 and was paid with a check. The payment account on the check was the Sheriff Todd Intricant Food Provision Account. He thought that was interesting, and he happened to be friends with a couple of people who had passed through the jail system in that part of the state. And they said, this is a quote, They got meat maybe once a month, and every other day it was just beans and vegetables. I put two and two together and realized that money could have gone towards some meat or something. So this is just a normal dude who's like, hey, this is pretty fucked up because this guy is using this food money to pay me. Meanwhile, my friends in jail are not being fed adequate food. So he tips someone off. Oh, he tipped off a journalist. And his story was published on February 18th of this year. On February 22nd, he was arrested and charged with drug trafficking after an anonymous call complained of the smell of marijuana from his apartment. Because of course. Yes. How fucking convenient. And as we were stating, we think pot should be legal in the first place. Yeah. So, so it's pretty, pretty convenient this dude is, uh... Yeah, pretty convenient. Four days after this story was made public, he's arrested on drug charges after an anonymous tip-off. Mm -hmm. Fucking really. And here's where it gets even better. This guy had never been arrested before. No criminal record. And now he faces six charges and is being held on a $55,000 bond. And the reason for this is because... The local drug enforcement unit has added extra charges to his case, including a charge of drug trafficking, which is pretty serious. And this is because he was caught with weed butter, <laughs> marijuana-infused butter. That's what he had. The butter itself contained 14 grams of pot, but the weed-infused butter altogether weighed more than 1,000 grams. So he's being charged with having more than 1,000 grams of marijuana when he actually had 14 grams. Which is absolutely insane. It is fucking ludicrous. Like, I, I, you think surely this is going to get dropped. He was probably going to make pot cookies. And if I know any hippie or any person raised in the 70s that hadn't had at least one pot cookie. Yeah, and this guy sounds like a pretty morally upstanding dude. Yeah. Like a good person. He could have said, I don't give a shit. I'm getting paid. 
but you know, he tried to do something selfless and now he's getting pinned with drug trafficking charges for making weed butter. We really hope that some good lawyers are on that case because that is clearly it's, insane. Yes, it's clear corruption and it's fucking bullshit. And we hate it here at Southern Hills. <laughs> I never get tired of saying that. <laughs> oh, God. You know, it, so much stuff is bullshit. It's, it's been a while since we, uh... <laughs> that could not have been more perfect. It's funny because it's true. <laughs> oh, goddamn. <laughs> oh, come on now. That ain't even bullshit. That's horseshit. <laughs> Seriously, though, to get arrested days later, yeah. it's obvious retaliation. Yes, it is. Dicks. And it, who, I'm just going to say, who gives a, a fuck? Sh- yeah. Yeah, I know. I smell Wade. Get him. Yeah, exactly. It's like, it's becoming increasingly more legal. Yeah. Like, I cannot fucking wait for that battle to be won. I don't I don't think the real fight has started yet in the South, but it's I coming. Agree. Oh, yeah. Knocking on our door. Everything comes late to the South. It's, it's a fact of life. It's fucking true. It's painfully, mind-numbingly true. I, I spoke to a New York family recently, and they were telling us stories about becoming transplants and how much they love the city now. And part of what they said was, you guys really do have a slower pace of life. And the (laughs) wife was telling me, she was like, I was at the deli and they were cutting my meat and they're taking their time and having a conversation with me, which is great. That's so nice, but I'm in a hurry. I want to go do my stuff. Just cut my freaking meat. Yeah, I know. I, I hate the chit chat too. And I always feel like an asshole. I don't like it either. People talk trash about New York because they're like, oh, nobody's friendly there. But I'm like, people mind their own business and I'm into that. Yes, I'm very into that. So, okay, I guess this last article I have. um, So this was published in the Tennessean. It's called Alone and Afraid. Tennesseans not convicted of a crime spend months in solitary. Solitary confinement. I feel like we all understand that's meant for the worst of the worst. Like you cannot be mixed in with a general population. Um, You are confined to be held in isolation for 23 hours a day. We've talked about this before. We talked about this in our toxic masculinity episode that it has pretty extreme psychological effects. Yeah, doesn't it have irreversible psychological Mm -hmm. damage? Yes. I mean, this this is a serious punishment. That's what it is. But we have this practice in Tennessee. It's called safekeeping. There is a state law that's been virtually unchanged since 1858, and it says people awaiting trial in Tennessee County jails can be shipped to a state prison if the local jail is insufficient to handle their medical problems, mental illness, or behavioral issues. So the person they interviewed for this article, she had a skin infection. She was arrested on a theft charge, and she had a skin infection, and the local jail decided, oh, we don't have the means to properly care for you. So they sent her to a state prison and she was held in solitary confinement for 189 days. What? Are you kidding me over stealing? Yeah, she had MRSA. The MRSA cleared up in two months, but she was still held in solitary for 189 days. Oh my God. And that's standard practice. That is absolutely insane. Yeah, between... 2011 and 2017, more than 320 people in Tennessee were declared safekeepers. The numbers have grown in recent years. In 2013, there were 26 safekeepers. In 2017, there were 86 safekeepers. Oh my God. So I had to do the math. That's six months. Yeah. 
in solitary for yeah for, for being sho- sick yeah for shoplifting and <clears throat> having oh my god so she was sick for two months and she was held for an additional four months in solitary and you wonder how does this happen well it turns out that tennessee has no formal review process to determine if and when inmates should be returned to their original counties so it's just fucking indefinite it's just like falling through the cracks oh my god all of that is mind-numbing isn't it so um to be fair here alabama tennessee (laughs) what the fuck yeah i i guess i should have taken the time to see if this is done anywhere else in the modern world but it it is definitely done here in tennessee and not our proudest yeah the data here shows the average stay of safekeepers is 328 days so a fucking year on average oh my god yeah Ugh, that is repulsive and there's a nice graph here uh it talks about these 324 people from 2011 through 2017 who were deemed as safekeepers and the reasons why they were deemed as safekeepers so of those 324 people 71 of those They could only find a form letter with no specified reason. So this person's a safekeeper. Take them. No fucking reason given. How are you supposed to have any sort of formalized review process with you don't know why they're a safekeeper? And then the next one, 60, had physical health problems, including pregnancy. What the? So let's put our pregnant women in solitary confinement. That is batshit insane. It's disgusting. And yeah, we talk about, oh, lack of funding, lack of funding, lack of funding. But man, I would love to know if these were privatized prisons or if oh. these were public prisons because... Yeah, where where did the numbers... Yeah, if you're making $3.3 billion. That's insane. Yeah. I didn't... We didn't talk about any of this before. That's absolutely crazy. Yeah, it's pretty heartbreaking. Just to... Let's say you're a pregnant lady and you get caught shoplifting... Solitary confinement. Exactly. I'm going to read more about this on (laughs) bj's.gov. We should just promote our website as (laughs) bj's.gov. Listen to the Southern Hills podcast at bj's.gov. This is how we're getting arrested. This is our crime. This is how we're going to solitary. (laughs) So I, I feel like here in the South, we're pretty fucking old school. Yeah, we like punishing our prisoners. But a pregnant woman convicted of stealing does not deserve to be put in solitary confinement. A non-pregnant woman convicted of stealing doesn't deserve to spend six months in fucking isolation because she had MRSA for two months. No, that's insane. And like, we we don't want to spend money on our prisoners. I have heard so many people say, we spend this much money keeping our prisoners safe, but we only spend this much money on our veterans. And yeah, that may be a problem, but... Maybe we should look at where the money we're putting toward prisoners is actually going. If we're just giving a quarter million dollars a year to these fucking assholes to buy houses with, that's something that could be used to feed our prisoners better or rehabilitate them or provide a non-hellish experience for people convicted of petty crimes who happen to be sick. Yeah, all of those things. And we have to spend money on prisons. Like, I honestly, unpopular opinion, don't mind paying my taxes. I don't don't either. I don't want to pave roads. I don't want to be a school teacher. Right. And if my house burns down, I want to call the fire department. Yeah, exactly. So all of these things I'm totally cool with. And if you wanted to take a little bit more money from me or Congress who gets paid way more money than those assholes deserve. Yeah. If you want to take a little bit money out of those pockets and put it into 
actually rehabilitating the people who are going to be my neighbors once they're out. Right. And none of these would be problems if we arrested less people or had less harsher sentences for these stupid petty crimes, which we have already determined is a direct result of these privatized prisons that are a plague on the South. Yeah. And it's still completely disgusting that you read about people like cutesy little businesses in Colorado, like the white girl making baked goods with weed butter. And it's like, oh, look at this mom and pop shop thing. And then you read about that landscaper who was a whistleblower going to jail for weed butter. Yeah, it's, I feel like it's pretty terrifying. Yeah, we can, we can drive a few hours and like you just said, enjoy the same product. And then we can come back home and be facing six charges and held on $55,000 bail. It's completely backwards. It is. And alcohol is so much worse for you. And rednecks love weed. Like, it makes no sense. It doesn't. Oh, my God. The amount of Confederate flag shit that you see with pot leaves on it? Are you kidding me? (laughs) Seriously. Just, we have this weird, like, closeted situation with... I I don't get it at all. And I'm just going to say I love the South. I love being a Southerner. Tennessee has such a huge place in my heart. There are so many things I love about this part of the world, but we've got to get our shit together. God. We are the girl in the back of the class falling asleep, <laughs> like just napping through civics. I feel like we're we're the bully who's just punching someone in the stomach for being a nerd for no other reason <laughs> than they're a nerd. Fuck you, nerd. That's the South. Yeah, pretty much. And here's the other thing. I don't like anyone who is way too into anything. Like if you're, I, I don't know, there, there's like... If you are the extremist of whatever your thing is, I don't like stoners. They get on my damn nerves. Yeah, they're really annoying. (laughs) Yeah. So the type or people who are like all of their stories, like any cool story they have about anything that they've done. I was so drunk. Oh, God, that's me. That's not you. (laughs) That's not you at all. Your stories are going and doing cool things and traveling and also drinking. But if like your, (laughs) but if your story is... I was so drunk last Saturday at this party. I'm sorry. I know that that's an asshole, like, summary of someone's life. No, it's not. It's just making me take a long, hard look at myself. (laughs) (laughs) That wasn't my intention. (laughs) But this is the life I chose. (laughs) (laughs) So this is how it ends. (laughs) No, but, like, the people who are extremist in anything where all of their stories are, are like this. Yeah. Stoners are like, or stoners who get into conspiracy theorists. Conspiracy Kim trails, man. Kim trails. Oh my god. They're just. I can't even. Where's our tinfoil hats? We need need tinfoil hats. (laughs) But but I was. But what I was trying to say is, you're a casual drinker, and you're a social drinker, and like people can be that with pot too. Yeah. So I think that a lot of people are like, oh, I don't like burnouts and stoners. And it's like, yeah, me fucking either, man. (laughs) No one does except for other stoners. Exactly. So, which if you're a stoner and you're cool, whatever, I don't care. (laughs) Consider yourself the exception. Yeah. But anyway. Not all stoners, Rachel. That's the next hashtag. The one. We're not all annoying. No, we're not all (laughs) annoying. Oh, God. And I'm like, yeah, I don't know. Prove it. Yeah. I remember when I was in college. Okay, side sidetrack to my sidetrack. When I was in college, there was a stoner that sat in front of me in one of my classes, 
And it was building materials and methods because we were doing like an architecture path. So anyway, we're learning about all these different cool things and how you use nominal dimensions of wood in construction to save on materials. I was like, this is all super cool and interesting. And then I look up and this motherfucker is on his laptop watching videos of sound waves on water. <laughs> on drums, just like he, the entire hour long lecture. Why was he there? Why would you bother? Exactly. He failed the class. He was there every day. Wow. And it He's just like, you ever listen to a lecture? On weed. <laughs> I'm like, you've never listened to a lecture, period. You're on YouTube the entire time. Wow, that's pretty impressive, though. Yeah, it was another interaction that I had with this young man. Um, Kelly and I use the term bitches jokingly, like it's just a thing that we do. And I was talking to him about something, and I said, bitches love something. Insert thing here. And he said... I don't prefer to refer to women as bitches. And I was like, oh, I think my literal response was, oh, gross. Well, you're not a woman, so I don't give a fuck. Yeah, exactly. It was like, okay, cool. I know that you're saying that so that you're like Captain, what is it? Oh, God. Dude, you know what? Okay. You just reminded me of this other dude who messaged me online once. Well, you know, he was trying to court me. Whatever. So I look at his pictures. He's wearing a t-shirt, non-ironically... That says, I only fuck feminists. Uh, I'm not joking. Oh my god. It's What kind of gatekeeping is that? That's stupid. Yeah, and it's so misogynistic. <laughs> like, I won't fuck you. You're not And that's a punishment <laughs> for me. Oh my god. I my dick is a that. reward for being Ooh. a good girl. Ooh, I Go fuck even... yourself. <laughs> Damn, well, she's gonna have to. <laughs> she's not in that fem camp. Yeah. I will always be anti-taking anything too seriously. So I think that there are times... We've talked about this before. Actually, we talked about it in the racism episode. There are things that you can say in certain situations that are derogatory. And it is clearly an insult and it is clearly meant to hurt. And then there you can say the same exact word and it means something completely different. That's the beauty of language. So just saying these words are off limits. Fuck you. That's true. Language is fluid. You're being a real bitch. <laughs> Sir. <laughs> That's a good sentence. It, and the look on his face made it clear to me that it was not something he was truly impassioned about. Like he was regurgitating what he felt yes. he was supposed to say. This is what I should say. Oh, God. So if you come over here white knighting when I say bitches, <laughs> we're going to talk shit about you later. Hope it was worth it. Cacao. <laughs> Our good words are a reward. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> to be earned. <laughs> oh my Number god. One, best no, bitches. they sold fucking t-shirts at PacSun that said best bitches. And we took a picture with them, but we did it backwards. So the picture said bitches best. Oh yeah, I forgot about that. <laughs> bitches best. Bitches best, KP. <laughs> Man, that was awesome. And we didn't even notice that we like took the picture and then we were just like, well, this is forever yeah, now. Yeah, we're rolling with it. <laughs> so if you have any thoughts on America's incarceration addiction, let us know. SouthernHells at gmail.com. Also, subscribe to us on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Yes. And now you can follow us on Twitch if we ever decide to live stream again. Ooh, yeah. We are Southern Hells at Twitch. Slowly but surely, we're getting this bitch rolling. Yeah. We are really into this bitch. <laughs> <laughs> and bitches in general. <laughs> 
Southern Hills loves all the bitches. All the bitches, man. We don't discriminate. Well, that is actually not true. We are very discriminatory. We discriminate against assholes, and I think they have it coming. Yeah, that's fair. And we don't have a loose definition of what an asshole is. We've got some pretty hard and fast rules there. (laughs) (laughs) That's true. (laughs) Yeah. Well, thanks for listening. See you next Thursday.